New routes, new airlines, and new welcome bonuses on today's Milonomic Squared podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Sam Simon. And I'm Robert Dwyer. And this is the Milonomic Square podcast, no annual fee edition on the Milonomics podcast network. If you're not subscribed to the full Milonomic Squared podcast, you're missing out on a deeper dive into topics like the following. You want to take this first one or should I? You got to take this, Robert. This is right in your backyard. All right. Then you're going to have to pronounce the airline in the next section. We're talking first about <laughs> a very familiar, very comfortable one. JetBlue announces service to London, now bookable from New York. And in classic JetBlue style, their website was down when they released this. But it does <laughs> seem to finally be a real thing that you can book. August 12th, 2021, you can book a flight from uh, JFK to... Heathrow, uh, also flying, you know, if you're going to fly one, you know, two routes, might as well go to a different airport over there. Uh, what's the name of the other airport? Manchester or something like that? No, uh, uh, Gatwick. Gatwick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so two options there, uh, not to Boston yet. And uh, just creeping in and announcing here a little bit. The big thing I've been interested in is the fares here. Uh, economy from, as they say, 595 round trip, mint from 1,979 round trip. And the pricing isn't uh, as favorable one way. One way isn't half, which is not typical for JetBlue. So that's a little bit annoying. But let's start first with what do you think of those prices? Are those compelling? Are those disruptive? I have to say I thought they were going to go splashier. You know, we have long thought that they would come in with something crazy and then slightly trend upward. Uh, These don't seem so flashy to me. How about you? I agree. I agree. You know, I was looking just for kicks at what the competition was pricing at, and I don't think they changed just to react. Uh, You know, uh, Virgin Atlantic is the same price, Uh, just under $2,000 round trip for a business class ticket from New York to London. Uh, It's good to have options, good to have some competition. Uh, Looking forward to them coming to Boston. But as we discussed in the paid show, it really depends on what the complete package is for the itinerary that you might want. You know, you look at from the West Coast, I mean, if it was $2,000, would that Mm. be more compelling from the West Coast? If you could tag on a segment in Mint from New York to LA and piece that together as one big uh, itinerary? Yeah, because you could be uh, $600, $700 one way in Mint just to get to New York. So yeah, I think so. I think that not being uh, able to go one way is a big deal breaker for me as well, Robert. But there's a very, very low likelihood that I would fly into London and then back out of London. I just know me and I'm going to do a couple weeks minimum. So I'm going to end up somewhere else. And if I have a nonstop flight home, I'm going to take that nonstop flight from anywhere, Barcelona, Paris, whatever it is. uh, And I don't have that option here. And so then I'm stuck looking at suboptimal pricing for a one-way flight. I don't like it. How about you? Yeah. No, if you want to go to London and stay there, I think it's great. But increasingly we see the, you know, just avoiding big airlines, uh, big airports in Europe as a transit point is a big point of frustration. And gosh, we've gone over some some really scary, annoying, uh, you know, trip disrupting experiences through large airports in Europe on the page show over the years. And I could see myself getting into that again here with Heathrow. I mean, I flew back there, I think, from Rome through there. And I could not believe how long it took me to transit from, you know, wherever Alitalia <laughs> flew into Heathrow. It felt like a good two and a half hours. I mean, by the time I got to the Virgin Atlantic Lounge, we had about 20 minutes and I thought we were going to have two hours. I really did. I mean, we we were outside the airport, dumped in the street, taking a train like, oh, boy, this is starting a brand new adventure for something I thought would be an internal connection. And it's just not. So these these bigger airports can eat you up. And it's not to be underestimated. Not just that, but 
the potential that the flight times really are not going to work out. You might get to London yeah. first thing in the morning, and the next flight that you can take to where, get where you want to be is three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, you know, to talk about Gatwick versus Heathrow, you have some connections through those. It just gets to be a lot. And yeah, I don't. I, I like to have the options, but unless this is the best option, I I don't I don't see myself taking it. My gut tells me this is. This is a pure business play. And we've talked a lot on the on the paid show about business travel versus leisure travel. And if you look at the times that these flights are slotted and, and you think who's going to fly into London and then right back out of London, I think that's what's going on here. And that's mm-hmm. definitely not us. So, um, you know, I wish them all the best. I, I, I it's soft spot in my heart for JetBlue, even though it's really hard for me to get on one of their planes and use a travel bank that I have that's expiring next year or use the hundreds of thousands of true blue points I have. But hey, Robert, I, just a soft spot, you know? Yeah, good airline. Good good, good people. Yeah. I like them. I like it that they're a big carrier here in Boston. All right. Hey, I, they're loosely related to these next airlines. So I think it's a nice combination to go right from JetBlue to Avilo and Breeze. We're going to talk two new airlines here on the free show, Robert. And one of them is actually flying flights. Would you believe it? During a pandemic. Wow. wow. Yeah. Uh, I know. Avilo is a new West Coast airline. They set up at Burbank Airport. And uh, that's right in my backyard. And so this came up uh, a couple weeks ago. I noticed that they had started flying uh, to some very interesting routes. There's about a dozen Western destinations. And there's some interesting destinations. You were talking about, you know, staying away from the major airport, the major hub airports in Europe. That seems to be Avilo's like model here in the United States as well. You want to go to Salt Lake City? Well, you can go to Ogden, Utah. You want to mm-hmm. go to, um, uh, you know, Seattle or Spokane? Uh, you're going to get to Pasco. Uh, and so it's got some routes that are very unique. And you know what? I like that actually, Robert. As someone who tends to travel off the beaten path a little bit, I like the opportunities that this opens up. I am a, a huge point-to-point fan of travel. And in some cases, uh, you know, these represent the only options from my area to these locations. In other options, like Santa Rosa, a velo is something like $55 round trip or something insane. And the next closest price is $250 on Alaska Airlines nonstop. And so uh, I like that disruptive nature that this could offer. One thing I don't like, and maybe we could talk about this for a little while is Burbank Airport's about 50 minutes from me Hmm. and that's far you know 50 minutes is kind of far and it's 50 minutes on a good day I'm wondering if I'll ever get on an Avilo flight what do you think of him in general Robert and I guess what do you think about my inability to commute 50 minutes to an airport yeah, I mean, with Long Beach, you said that was what fifteen minutes or something ridiculously close I like know. that. I you know, know. that could, it could be a slam dunk if they were in your airport. So if you're in that Burbank area, you know, huge population in that area, it's probably a big relief to them uh, people in, in near that airport if it's going to the place they want to go to not have to go to LAX yeah. or some other airport in the area. Uh, you know, I've seen this come and go. You know, it's it, it rises and falls it, in popularity. Like I, I think where it's great is if you have very specific need. One, I was thinking of uh, my family in Phoenix. I think you could fly from Mesa to South Bend, Indiana on Allegiant. And that's incredible uh, in terms of time yeah. savings in that perspective. For someone. You, for someone. For someone, right? You're talking about an airport that's yeah. five, 10 minutes away from your house. Super easy access. Flying to someplace that, I mean, you're saving an hour driving to Phoenix. You're saving two hours maybe driving to you know Midway or whatever the airport you'd fly in into Chicago. So it could be incredibly ideal. It could open up a vacation destination, you know, a second home that otherwise you wouldn't consider. I mean, I seriously looked at this at one point. I was thinking about buying a vacation house in South Haven, Michigan 
And as crazy as that might sound, we were living in Boston. One of the big problems was, okay, you fly into Chicago. It's two hours flying to Detroit. It's three hours. There's this, you know, Kalamazoo, uh, Gary, it. Indiana, Grand Rapids airports. They're all kind of like a half an hour away. And there was these glimmers of opportunity where like, oh, you could fly this flight from, you know, here to there and you'd be there in no time. And it's like, oh, that's that's tempting. But, you know, what if they pull the rug out from underneath you? That route doesn't work out. And then you're stuck flying back to uh, the, the big airport. And so it, it seems like these things come and go. And the other thing that comes and goes is the the airplane that might be taking you there. What if there's a yeah. mechanical issue, and you know, and the the or the weather comes in that day, and there's no backup network that you can flank to. And at yeah. that point, you sometimes start to see the reason why the majority of air travel the way is the way it is in the United States. It's because these things don't you know uh, work particularly well in practice. You know, like, can you imagine like, oh yeah, the plane's not going today. We're going to go in two days from now. I mean, would that work out for your vacation lifestyle? Uh, no, no, not for a three-day weekend, right? And that's, I think, um, yeah, a lot of what I'm looking to do with this airline. I think that's a, a really strong analysis. And as you're saying that, I'm sure other listeners are doing the same. They're remembering flights that went mechanical and the airport and the airport wasn't served by a lot of that airline. And, and then they you know, had to sit and wait for a part to be flown in or something <laughs> just crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was me in Boston like 10 years ago or 15 years ago with Virgin Atlantic. So, mm-hmm. Sorry, Virgin America. Yeah. Virgin yeah. America waiting for a part to be flown in and sitting around on the 4th of July. I remember it like it was yesterday. And that, that can take a great trip and just make it awful. Yeah. And you do want a robust network because you can flank to something else. And so that's the negative of something like this. An upstart airline doesn't have any um, alliances for them to move you over to. You're at an airport that doesn't have very many other options. And uh, when things go bad, oh, they can go so bad. I mean, it reminds me of um, uh, a lot of these airlines, and we could talk about it now. There's there's about six of them now that run these little regional networks, Sun Country and Frontier and Spirit and Allegiant and Breeze Airline, which is the next one that we're going to talk about. They've cut portions of the country up and they're really making a play for the airline travel in those portions of the country. So is that for you? I guess we'll have to decide. I don't know. I could find myself on an Avila flight, Robert. I just, I just don't know when, you know? Yeah. Breeze is interesting, right? Uh, so that's the JetBlue, David Nealman. We always got to mention that uh, how I built this episode he was on because it mm-hmm. really does make you make me think that this guy knows how to run an airline. So I'm betting on them being successful. You know, I'm going to be watching them very closely. I think we're a day away from them announcing their first bookable flights. I think they're talking about Tampa to Charleston, which is not necessarily a flight that's going to be useful to me. But could they possibly, <laughs> you know, a, a Worcester, Massachusetts to some airport in Southwest Florida become suddenly incredibly useful to me? I, I guess it depends on what they see as being their routes. I guess the thought with them was that they're going to fly point to point on places that nobody else competes on. And, and maybe Tampa to Charleston meets that definition. But sounds like they're going to be more East Coast. So I'll have to be the scout on that one. You'll have to be the scout on uh, Avilo. What do you think? I like it. I think we should do some recon for the show. Yeah, just got to get the family on board. Yeah, <laughs> well, I like the the ups, the potential with Breeze. I mean, the, the the planes look nice, and that was always something. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Virgin America and you know JetBlue when they first launched, and I think still to this day, it's just nice sometimes to get on a new airplane filled with new people working the airline that are excited to be doing Excitement. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. It yeah. was like a a breath of fresh air to be able to fly those two airlines out to California instead of the gray legacy carriers. And I, I like yeah. the disruption. I think there could be some upside here. So I'll be very excited to see where else Breeze flies on the East Coast. You know what? I'm going to do it, Robert. You're convincing me. 
I want to get on an Avila flight. I, you know, it's just it's just going to work. It reminds <laughs> me a lot of this flight I took in Italy on this Spanish low-cost carrier. It was like 19 euros from Rome <laughs> to Sicily. It was the only nonstop option that didn't involve a connection somewhere. And it just worked. We just got on the plane. We took off. 40 minutes later, we're there. The luggage was like, I don't know, 50 bucks or whatever. And uh, with Avilo, the luggage is like $10. And so I'll pack a bag and I'll check it and sit in the sit in the seat for an hour and a half and be in Santa Rosa. That's one that sounded really interesting to me. You know, you try to get up to wine country, you're going to be probably flying into San Francisco and you're going to be an hour and away. So, you know, that 50 minute commute over to Burbank might not seem so bad in that context if you want to spend yeah. a weekend in wine country. Yeah, better 50 I know and no tolls. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, right. We got to move on. We got a full show here. There's an Amex offer. Got to give a hat tip to our boy Garth over on Slack. Uh, one extra membership reward point at Lowe's. And normally we would not mention one extra membership reward point anywhere. But there's some interesting stacking that goes on with this. If you took advantage of a spring forward for a plus 4x, you've got one plus one, which would normally be what your card earns, plus four. Well, that's uh, one. Two, that's 6x at Lowe's. And you can stack that with three JetBlue True Blue points. I swear they're not a sponsor of the show. They just keep coming up. <laughs> uh, for a total of an effective 9X at Lowe's, up to your $25,000 limit on the spring forward. Robert, I like that a lot. How about you? Yeah, I, I, I do. Uh, you know, big time to do home improvement. So if you have a lot of money to spend over at Lowe's, it, this could be worth your while going there. <laughs> I... I, I, it's it's kind of a rough situation over there. Like, I would I was at the customer service desk, and I swear there were four people behind the counter, nobody in line, <laughs> and it took me about fifteen minutes to get served. I don't know what was going on, but it's a strange, <laughs> strange grocery or as a home improvement store rather uh, compared to Home Depot. I don't know. Home Depot just seems to be transacting, and Lowe's is like looking up stuff in the computer. It was like very strange to me. But uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe people have better success at their local Lowe's than I've had. It's funny. It's so true. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, uh, $750 Chase business checking bonus. Uh, hat tip to doctor of credit here. I took note of this one, and I've been a little lazy going after some of these bank bonuses lately. There's such a hassle to close. You can't underestimate that I've been doing more of that lately than anything else. But $750, you got to keep $10,000 in new money there. Uh, get it get $10,000 in new money there within 30 days of enrolling. But this is public. Everyone should be able to do this. And you have to maintain that $10,000 there for 60 days, which isn't terrible for $750. Some of the duration that we see in bank bonuses are significantly more than that and have you know even higher uh, amounts of money that you need to keep there. So that's within the realm of, you know I don't think I need to do a big interest rate calculation on that. 60 days, I can handle that. You also have to do 25 transactions and debit transactions work. So it should be a pretty easy way to do that. You need to keep the money there for six months. Otherwise, you forfeit the bonus and you can get one of these welcome bonuses from Chase every two years. So haven't done it yet. I mean to. They literally are opening a Chase branch in my town here. Uh, they're new to the Boston area. They didn't have one in my town proper, so I had to drive a little bit to get there. But the town is really pushing back on it. They're like, we don't want these <laughs> big ice cream chain <laughs> <laughs> banks coming to our town ruin our thing but so i feel like i'm gonna have to slink under the over there under the cover of night and, you know be like a, a picket line crosser like oh, i'm here for the 750 dollars. sorry there's not an ice cream shop here but that aside what do you think about these 750 for the the metrics are, are you eligible for this one have you done chase business I, I never have had a chase business checking account i don't know how hard it would be i have a chase credit cards so i don't know how hard it would be to get a chase checking account 
Yeah, I've done them in the past and I've signed up uh, as a sole proprietor uh, with limited documents. So it's it's something I had to do in person, uh, which is, you know, not ideal, I would say. But uh, you look, they're, they're pretty much everywhere out here. So finding a branch, not not tough. Uh, 750, I mean, that's a great offer. So yeah, the, the business side of it, uh, you know, that's something to consider, I think, whether or not you can actually legitimately get in there. I think it's worth applying uh, for a credit card if you have something that shows a pre-approved offer while you're there. I think that that's worth checking. I'm not sure that's still going on, but I know when I did the in-branch uh, business checking account offer, I did have an offer for a chasing preferred in the computer. I asked the banker to check and he checked it and I was approved. And I think uh, that's worth doing when you're there as well. That's the only uh-huh. other thing I would add. Look into that. That would be a nice uh, nice cherry on top to the ice cream sundae. <laughs> oh, that's such a regional joke, but I get it. That's awesome. There's <laughs> like seven people in Wellesley laughing right now. It's so good. <laughs> I'll take this next one here. The U.S. Bank Altitude Connect Visa card has a 50,000-point offer after spending 3000 in the first 120 days. Got a little link here in the show notes to the Doctor of Credit article on it. There's a $95 annual fee, which is waived the first year. Uh, this has, Notable, this has 4X on travel and gas stations, 2X on dining, takeout, grocery, streaming service, 1X everywhere. I'm interested in this. I hate to say it, Robert, for the first year only. How about you? Yeah, I'd, I'd be up for it for the first year. 500 is kind of, you know, just in terms of cash, a, a kind of a, a number that gets my attention. Uh, U.S. Bank has been a little challenging on the approvals for me. I I got that altitude reserve and I'm, I'm through that and I don't think that's turnable anymore. So... This seems to be the best of the next tier. Uh, we were talking about a was, it, was that leverage card? Was that a business card? Yeah, I couldn't get approved for that one. Yeah. So I don't know what my chances might be, but you know, other than Amex, the other banks that I've been looking at for welcome bonuses are pretty far and few between. Really, have we've been talking a lot on the page show about Amex opportunities? So you coached me that we should be. I should be looking at other banks for a little while. Cool it off with Amex for a little bit. So this, was, right. this is one that popped up for that reason. Yeah. So hey, what's what's the harm in applying for a another credit card? I might get rejected for. Uh, hard pulls are hardly the thing that's limiting me in credit card welcome bonuses. So. That's something I probably will do here in the next couple of weeks. I like it, Robert. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. For a more in-depth discussion about points and miles, visit us at patreon.com slash milonomics. There you'll get a special link to listen to additional content right in your mobile podcast app or on your computer, where we speak more freely about topics like these. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at milonomics and Robert is at Robert Dwyer. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, we'll see you on the site.